0: one Basic Hip Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode four hundred and eighty five for june twelfth, twenty nineteen. On today's show drummer Allison Miller and pianist Carmen Stoff. This week's show is sponsored by Adam from Australia, the latest person to become a member. If you'd like to help me keep making The Jazz Session for years to come, join today for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com join. You'll get a monthly bonus episode, early access to every show, and more. Did you know that fewer than 1% of the people who listen to this show are members? It's true. So be like Adam and join today. Thanks. Alison Miller and Carmen Stoff released an album together called Science Fair that starts this way. excited to uh, welcome back to the show Carmen Stoff. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you. Good and to be here. to welcome for the first time, I, it's stunning to me that that is true, but to welcome for the first time, Allison Miller. Allison, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you. Hi. Uh, you two have collaborated on uh, a project called Science Fair, and then since then, well, actually before then and since then, collaborated on a whole lot more. Um but I thought maybe we could start uh, a little bit with the origin story, and Allison, maybe I could start with you and just talk about how you and, and Carmen began playing together.
1: Yeah, we first met in 2014. I had hired Carmen to play a couple of my um, Boom Kick Boom shows, one being in Reykjavik, Iceland, and kind of just hired her from a, from a recommendation from Todd Sikafus, my bassist. I called him up. I said, hey, I want to... Um, Try a new pianist and he's like, Call Carmen stop. I'm like, Okay <laughs> And so I called her and uh I could you could, that, that shows how much I respect Todd's opinion. I called her and she said yes and we did these three shows together and it was bliss for me at least. I don't know how it felt for Carmen, but for me it was bliss <laughs> and uh and then from there from there on out I try to get Carmen on as many projects that I have um hiring
0: control over. <laughs> So Carmen, did you get a call from Allison that said, "Hey, can you play three gigs, one of which is in Iceland"? Yep. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what I well, Actually, it's actually, like a lie detector test. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> let's check the tape.
0: Yes, no, I didn't. I didn't that mean that. I Facebook doubted Facebook. Allison's it was story. A yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was actually well. Actually, what happened was, I got it first. I got a Facebook message from Todd Sikafoos, who I knew, you know, I knew who he was, but we didn't actually know each other. We hadn't played together either. And he just wrote me a message out of the blue saying, Hey, I heard you play in LA at the blue whale, because at the time I was in the Monk Institute, the now Herbie Hancock Institute at in LA. And so he happened to just be there. So it was all very serendipitous, you know, kind of sheer luck that he was there. And then he wrote me this message and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This person who's music I know and, you know, who I really respect, wrote to me, which was Todd. And then, like, a few days later, I got a message, bought another Facebook message, because this was in 2014 or whatever, <laughs> and from Allison saying, hey, do you want to come to Iceland with me? <laughs> and so I was like, yes, I do. I really do want to come to Iceland with you, Allison Miller, <laughs> whose music I also know and who I've also heard and really love and would love to play with, so...
0: Yeah, it was kind of a fairy tale. Yeah, it's kind of an me. odd set of. I mean, Todd, Todd heard you play one time, and then when a bandmate of his said, can, "From all of the available pianists on the planet Earth, can you suggest a person to me?" He said, "Oh yeah, here's somebody I heard one time and have never met. <laughs> Why don't you hire her?" Well, I, it's kind of great.
2: I think it was also it was also probably lucky because it had probably just happened that he just happened to hear me, you know, right before that. So maybe it was fresh in his mind, which. I think is like a way that sometimes things happen, you know, where it's like you're just lucky that you were in the right place at the right time. And and when the person got a call asking for a recommendation, they just we popped into their head, you know. So I feel super lucky that it worked out that way because it's been incredible to get to work with Allison, and we've clicked in so many different ways. And you know, like she said, it was definitely bliss for me. And there were many more opportunities that that she and I both found for us to work together after that so it's been really fantastic.
0: when you guys first played together or, or even i guess since then how do you know that a pairing works like i mean when you're musicians at the level you're both at i think you could make most situations work but how do you know that something really works that this is a this is a meeting that's that's worth continuing to have
1: well it's actually pretty simple for me it's just it really comes down to a rhythmic connection you know because there are you know we live in new york city there are of course there are like hundreds of fabulous pianists and hundreds probably thousands of fabulous drummers and uh, but we all have a different uh, interpretation of rhythm and how we feel it and so for me it's really that's kind of the number one is like how do I hook up rhythmically with this person do we are we simpatico do we push and pull in ways that work are we come to are we supporting each other so when one of us is pushing the other one kind of has the other person's back and doesn't let it push too much, you know, you know, that that kind of give and take that is is the most important for me. And I felt that right off the bat with Carmen. And the other thing that I really love is when a musician has the ability to listen on a deep level and have that that musical conversation that's so important and improvise, like really improvise where you're completely in the moment and not relying on licks or things you've worked. I hate to use that word licks but I mean that's why I hate to use it because I don't like to do it but uh, you know where you're really in the moment and having a spontaneous conversation with somebody and I feel like I could do that with Carmen immediately
0: Allison do you think it matters that you are both attracted to music for dance I know uh, because I know Carmen that that's true and I know from your background that that's also true does that does that meet somewhere in that, that midpoint there?
1: Sure. Yeah, definitely. Groove is so important. Swing. I think what, I think it really matters that we both come from the swing tradition. That's really important for me. Even though I don't play a lot of straight ahead swing anymore, that's really where I come from. And that's where I always feel the deepest connection with other musicians, you know, musicians who come from that, the swing tradition, you know, even if they're not exactly playing swing in the moment.
0: Carmen, can you talk about how the Science Fair project itself started to take shape? I was teaching at the Stanford Jazz Workshop, which is a
2: fantastic program that I was really lucky to get to come on board with um, when I was living in California for school. Um, and so I, I, I think it was the first year that I was there coincided with the time that Allison and I first played together when we went to Iceland. I believe that's right, correct me if I'm wrong, Alison, but I think it was, we kind of found out like, oh, you're teaching here too and we had this gig together, oh, amazing, so it's all, the stars are kind of aligning. Um, And then I think, so I believe that was in summer of 2015 and then the following year, summer 2016, I believe was when we played together on the festival with some other people who had come to Stanford for the festival who also grew up kind of going to Stanford as students, including Dana Stevens and Ambrose Um, And we happened to be playing together on a concert at the festival. And that band just, we just really felt good playing with those horn players, obviously as anybody would, but you know, Alison and I both were just like, wow, this is amazing. This is such a great feeling. And these improvisers really fit with kind of all the things that Allison just said about you know, the rhythmic sense being totally solid, the truly improvising and listening and being in the moment and and also just kind of the ability to trust each other and know that, you know, everybody is, is able to take risks at any moment and that it's always going to work out well because everybody's going to be listening and and make whatever is happening work and just go somewhere with it and make it interesting. And, and I think those are values that Allison and I definitely had that we found in that band, you know, with those horn players and so we said, okay, we have to make this a thing. We have to we have to record this band, you know, we have to do something more. And so we wrote a bunch of music and Alison and I got together, you know, weekly basically, we would get together and practice and just rehearse duo and kind of work on the tunes and and think about the arrangements and try lots of different things and just see what how things evolved naturally. And then we also had the great Ben Goldberg, the great clarinetist in the Bay Area and, you know, composer. And um, he came in and and helped us to produce it, um, you know, thinking about some of the arrangement stuff. And also when we actually recorded it in the studio, he was there to kind of be another set of ears and say, like, you know, that was a great take or why don't you try it again and, you know, think about this or or whatever. So, so that was, he was also an important voice kind of in shaping the sound of science fair as well.
0: Allison, it strikes me that uh, who the two of you would get to play bass in this ensemble must have been a pretty important decision. Can you talk about who you chose and why?
1: You know, it was interesting because we really kind of we actually talked about this a lot. Like, okay, who do we want as the third member of the trio? I think Matt came up in the conversation because he also comes from this really straight ahead tradition and he's just he's got such facility on his instrument. And we've not that tons of bass players in New York don't have incredible facility on their instrument, but he's got a very particular articulation, really great intonation, and um, a certain feel that we were looking for. And we also, you know, I think also both of us were thinking of maybe a player that we haven't played a lot with that we'd like to play more with. And Matt is definitely one of those people. You know, I met Matt. Twenty something years ago. I think he and I are the same age and we moved to New York at the same time. So in fact, I might've even met him in New Zealand or Australia before he moved (laughs) to New York. And, um, you know, we've played together over the years here and there but definitely not as much as we would have liked. So this kind of served as an opportunity to deepen that connection, you know, and, and see what really see what that chemistry was all about. And I'm glad that we were um, right in thinking, in thinking it would be a good connection.
0: <laughs> it feels very much like in, yeah. in this trio, you kind of have to be comfortable with there being space. There's often a lot going on in these songs, but there's often big sections, like even between notes almost, where it feels like, you know, over the chasm, and then you land on the other side. And it seems like it takes a particular grouping of musicians to make that kind of playing work.
1: Yeah, you have to trust each other, you know, and you have to trust, you know, kind of going back to the push and pull or the the tension and release in music. And I think that that has to be a a real group effort to achieve that tension and release. And sometimes that has to do with letting there be a lot of space in in between two notes, you know? And being okay with it, you know. I mean we definitely Carmen and I definitely pick musicians who are confident in what they do and, and their and their artistic vision, which I which is really important, which I actually think is a little bit of a rarity these days. Mm. You know? Yeah. I really do. And I mean I yeah. you think about Ambrose's solo on the end of Weightless There's so much space in that solo and I don't really know many trumpet players who are that comfortable with themselves to leave that much space and completely be in the moment thinking about the music, you know, or actually not thinking, just letting the music become what what it should be, you know?
0: Let's take a break from the music to talk about membership. I've been recording conversations with jazz musicians since 2007. I think that's important work. It deserves public support, and I'd also like to be able to do it for my living. If you agree that The Jazz Session is worth supporting, become a member today for just five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. You'll get a monthly bonus episode, early access to every show, and a yearly gift. Also, the summer hiatus is just a few weeks away. There will be a few things in the main feed in July and August, but members will get the majority of the content during the hiatus. So if you don't want to miss out, join today at thejazzsession.com join. Now back to the episode. due to the nature of what i do for a living i end up listening to tons and tons of records and that solo at the end of Waitlist, i i just think is one of the most amazing things i heard in 2018 there's just the the way everyone is absolutely locked in and is completely unafraid to work with quiet and silence and and it's not just it's like a quiet that feels like it's on the edge of collapse in in, in the most, mm. like in an emotional way. Like not not in a, oh, we don't know what we're doing, but in a, this is, we're holding this together right now. And it, it's just absolutely arresting. I, I, I was, I remember the very first time I listened to that track just thinking, well, that's it. Like, <laughs> somebody's gonna have to work really hard to figure out something that's better than this, <laughs> the end of this track right now.
2: Mm-hmm
1: you know I don't know why I don't know why that's that's that seems like more of a rarity these days you know because when I think about all the records that at least jazz musicians in my generation um came up listening to there was so much space in those records you know it must you know like I think of all like the, way, the great uh Wayne Shorter solos where there's just so much space um uh, you know in the Herbie compositions you know and, and um uh, the one, the one of the one of the compositions that's coming to mind right now is Iris. You know, like that—that that tune is so. There's so much space in the way they play, and I don't understand why that's not embraced
2: more these days.
1: So maybe, maybe I'm just maybe I'm not listening to enough music. I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think that our attention span is just not what it used to be. At least that's my theory. That because of social media and because of you know the just the way we're connected to so much information now at least for me it's I have to make much more of an effort now to try to create space in my life and in my brain my mind that it's not a surprise that that it's that that's not just a natural thing happening in the music that it's like something we would need to actively really try to do and and I also wanted to point out that um, Allison wrote the piece in a very deliberate way. She wrote Weightless in a very deliberate way to have that space at the end, and that that's something that I think a lot of people have remarked upon about that piece. That it's interesting the way it's written. That instead of kind of the standard thing where it's like maybe you start with something that's more that's smaller and then it builds and becomes bigger and bigger and more complex and has more going on. The way a lot of a lot of pieces have that sort of shape. That she wrote that piece, Weightless, with this big drum solo in the beginning. Not at the end, but at the very beginning. And then this very active melody and a bass line, and there's all this complexity. And then as you go along in the piece, it gets less and less active to the point where it ends with basically going into nothing. You know, going, dissipating in space. And then, like you said, kind of on the verge of collapse. And then just, just fading into nothing, which is really unusual, I think, for a piece, especially a piece that's not a ballad, and that that Allison deliberately wrote it that way. So, you know, she did make the effort to create space in the music, which I think is just something that maybe requires us to, you know, we have to do more deliberately these days. But that's just my theory. I don't know.
0: I'll definitely be looking forward to your monograph on Facebook and its effect on improvising music. (laughs) 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 I definitely want to read that. Yeah, I've been um I've been recently rehearsing with this band for a performance of two uh very long pieces by Sun Ra and in the rehearsals the director has constantly been pointing out, you know, if if you listen to these recordings, there are there are places like he was pointing out the drums that we're playing with one of the songs is Other Planes of There and he said, you know, there's like a five minute section where all the drums are is like uh, one tap of the stick on the side of one of the toms like every minute Mm. and that's the whole drum part and that lasts for like five minutes of this song while something very ethereal is going on on top and so he keeps pointing out you know this was all about space all about space and i i was really struck by how hard it was to let that space be there i think it really speaks to what you're talking about carmen that it can be very difficult to be with silence in any setting but particularly Mm. a performance setting
2: um, yeah and okay, trusting yeah, that, that one hit is good enough that you're doing you know not going like oh maybe I should add something else just in case this hit isn't you know hip enough or interesting enough or something you know like trusting that the space itself will be interesting
0: yeah um, is, it's hard to do yeah no doubt am I right to think that you have also been playing in some of Allison's other ensembles since this collaboration began?
2: Well, that's right. So when she, uh, her band Boom Tick Boom, which has a new record out, Glitter Wolf, which is you're right <laughs> in the middle of touring right now, Allison. Although when people hear this show, I guess you'll have already been touring in Europe and, and be back, but, um... But the great Myra Melford plays piano on the record and, and in that band. But when she's busy, which is a lot these days, I get to sometimes play in Boom Tick Boom. And so does also the great Don Clement also sometimes plays piano. So, um, yeah. And then we also we also are in a band with Jenny Scheinman, the great violinist that Allison and Jenny have um, that they co-lead called Parlor Game with tony share on bass, and so that's another project as well that we are in so there's a lot going on (laughs) that we both are
0: part of and i have to say despite the potential pitfalls to improvising music of social media you're both pretty skilled at at using it to kind of give us all a look into these tours because it looks like you're all having just a ridiculously good time like it You know, when you watch the 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 little bits of Instagram video or whatever from you guys, you know, at a at a buffet or a restaurant or something somewhere before the show, um, it it's unmissable the fact that the band gets along and that you enjoy each other. I, I have to believe that makes a big difference in what the music sounds like when you finally hit the stage.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, nobody shows the bad moments.
0: No, I I get it, I get it. We're seeing the best of all possible worlds. I totally get that.
1: I mean, you wouldn't want to see me in the morning. I don't post anything before noon, that's for sure. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we have a good time. I mean, I kind of made a a personal pact with myself years ago that I was no longer going to be in any bands where I didn't really love the people I was with. (laughs) It's kind of... Like for me, it just, I had a few bad experiences and then um, since then I'm like, okay, well, I don't care how amazing someone is on their instrument. If I can't live with them in a van, then I can't tour with them. Um, So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of a base baseline for me.
0: Yeah. I think the van rule can be applied to. Really almost every aspect of your life. I feel like the, as I, you know, am, have reached my middle age now, I realize that uh, my time is incredibly valuable to me and precious. And I really only want to spend it and my energy with people who make me feel good after I've done that. And I'm obviously you can't control all circumstances of your life, but it seems like the more you tend toward we could tour in a van together, the better things generally tend to go in my experience. Yeah, totally. We are nearing the end of our time together, and I just wanted to ask uh, briefly what each of you is doing apart from the other, and maybe, Carmen, I'll start with you. Can you talk about what else is going on in your musical career, which is quite busy these days?
2: There's a lot of other things. One of the gigs that I'm super grateful for and super excited about is that I get to play with the vocalist Dee Bridgewater, who is, of course, you know, a master jazz musician and a part of the history and, and just has so much to teach, and I'm always so excited and grateful every time I get to work with her and I'm, um, working as her musical director now. So that means that I get to, you know, help to get some of the arrangements together that we're going to work on and, and, you know, work with the trio. And so that's been incredible. Um, and I also work with another vocalist, Tana Alexa, who has a new record coming out and, um, we're going to be touring that in the summer. And, um, a lot of, a lot of things with vocalists, actually, that's something that, um, I, am not a vocalist myself, but I did sing as a kid and (laughs) I have a connection with, so, um, also the, the vocalist, Sarah Gazarek. I'm I'm working with her a little bit. Um, and then other, you know, other people who are great. So there's a drummer named Jeff Williams in the UK. Um, he's, he's American, but he lives in the UK and he's also a master drummer who just, uh, I just did a trio record with him and the bassist Michael Formanek. And so that record is coming out and we're gonna do a couple of dates in New York, you know, in and around New York in the summer as well as hopefully some stuff in Europe about that record too. That's called gloom. So that's a those are a few of the things.
0: And Allison, I know that uh, when you hang up with the two of us, uh, you have a, a TV gig to get to. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while, uh, my friends over at late night with Seth Meyers um, ring me up. I guess I, I got to stop saying ring or call because everybody <laughs> just texts really. Well, <laughs> but uh, every once in a while they text me and, and invite me to come and join the 8G band, which is the house band that owns Seth Meyers. And it's great, and um, you know they're really wonderful over there. Seth is a really great person; he's exactly who you think he would be with his personality. And um you know, they're it's great. They I play on the show, and they promote whatever record I've got coming out. So actually, I, the last time I did it was back in right around the time Science Fair was released, and and Seth promoted the Science Fair record all week. And this week they're promoting my uh, Boom Tick Boom record, Glitter Wolf, and. It's fun, you know.
0: Um, yeah, it's my partner and I are addicted to Seth. Uh, he's our only the only late <laughs> night thing we watch and uh, so hey, it's great to hear you say nice things that he's, you know, not a monster behind the scenes. But that show features drummers all the time, which is that is it Fred Armisen who makes that happen or how, how is it that drummers always get featured? Somebody there is obviously a drum fan.
1: Yeah, well the the kind of the one of the producers of the show is a drummer. And he's kind of in charge of hiring all the, the drummers. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, the way, that they, the way they've worked it out is, you know, Seth is, I mean, sorry, Fred is the drummer, but as we all know, Fred Armisen is like busier than anybody doing a million different creative comedic projects. And uh, so, you know, he's not there um, all the time. So instead of, you know, basically hiring a new drummer to replace Fred, they just, they treat it as like guest drummer spots, which is great. Um, for everybody, you know, and and it's and it's wonderful. And they, have you know, they they have me back a lot. In fact, the other day, the guy the guy who runs it said, "You know, you're the old. Besides Fred, you've been on this show the most." Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, they, we were they were kind of we were joking around. We were joking because you know we we're really sarcastic with each other. He was like, "I call you more than anybody," you know. Um, but they're they're great over there. And then after after this week I go to Europe with my band um and then the other really cool thing I've got going on um you know I'm, I'm really big on my education side of things so this year I'm really excited because I'm along with Derek Hodge I'm one of the artists in residence for Monterey Jazz so um those, those um duties are, are are right around the corner I'm going to be working the Gen Festival which is their festival for high school players um and um, actually, I think it's high school and college. I have that coming up. And then, of course, their camp, as well as the camp I direct, which is called Jazz Camp West. And then um, a lot of we're going to be doing a lot of things for the Monterey Jazz Festival, including Derek and I are putting together a show in honor of Mary Lee Williams for the festival. so i'm I'm pretty excited about that.
0: That's really wonderful. Uh, sh- just because we could have talked for days, she's one of the things I didn't really get to in this interview, but she is also paid tribute to uh, in a piece that Carmen wrote on Science Fair. My guests for this show have been Allison Miller and Carmen Stoff. They have put out a record together, which is called Science Fair, and they're also doing all kinds of other great work, both together and apart. It's been such a joy to have you uh, both here. Thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: If you like what you just heard, become a member today for five bucks a month at thejazzsession.com join. Thanks to my guests this week, Allison Miller and Carmen Stoff. Carmen has been on the show before, and you'll find her previous appearance in the archives at thejazzsession.com. Thanks also to the Respect Sextet, who composed and performed the theme music for this show. You'll find them online at respectsextet.com. Dave Rabel designed the logo. The show is on social media, facebook.com slash thejazzsession, Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, Instagram at thejazzsession, YouTube, thejazzsession.com slash YouTube. I post a clip from the archives of the show each weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Instagram and Twitter. And at random times on YouTube. But the show's been going for 12 years, and if you are relatively new, you might want to see these little posts because they give you kind of 40 second looks at all the people who've been on the show, which is many hundreds of people, and it's a great way to catch up. Please do rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Subscribe to my twice-a-month newsletter. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on Newsletter along the top. I put out a new episode every Wednesday. Next week, this time for real, I think, my guest will be Claudia Acuna. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. everybody bye bye, bye.